You win this battle, man, I soon be dead. I'll glue your face to my dick so I can fuck with your head. I got metaphors coming through my pores. You've probably never been in a battle before, so I hope you realize your mistake. There ain't no party cast of candles, this won't be a piece of cake. Put well, as a comedian, I'm used to towing the line. There you go. Yeah, I'm gay. See, I, I've, I've always heard it's the comedian's job to cross the line and mm. bring the people with them and make them glad you did. Matt, Matt, we're not recording yet. <laughs> Jesus. Just we George, are. Ooh. Oh, just a George Carlin quote. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. I love George Carlin. Folks, welcome to the Before Hours Podcast, an internet radio phenomenon hosted by an occasional morning person. I ask the most interesting people I know about their sleep, their routine, life, love, stress, and setbacks, and whatever else comes to mind. If you want to email us, you may do so. Our email address is the Before Hours podcast at gmail.com you can tell us about our morning routine your morning routine don't tell us about our morning routine or anything else that comes to mind but for now we have the commissioner of comedy fight club and the podcast co-host of the buff boys yes am i saying that right the buff boys yes the buff boys welcome to the podcast matt Marin. how you doing matt what's up thank you for having me i'm breaking a rule to be here today you're i'm and not disrupting big, your routine am i no you're a big rule fo- no my rule was uh, i swore i would never podcast with bobby sheehan again Ooh, that is a good rule dude have you ever podcasted with me before yeah uh, uh, occasionally, occasionally here and there okay. occasionally for three years with two different podcasts oh yeah <laughs> dude that's the thing we're we're inseparable yes we're like the sam and diane of the comedy podcast world do Cheers. you not understand that Cheers. Okay. i got it i got it, it took a second there <laughs> my parents watched that show mm, dude it holds up yeah i would watch cheer the only thing i don't understand about cheers is uh so sam uh the bartender the protagonist of cheers yes he is a womanizer yeah and so women walk into the bar and mm. then like the studio audience goes like ooh, and they just they know what he's about to do they know that he's about to rape them <laughs> <laughs> that's the subtext of the series yeah <laughs> but no. he says cheers before he does it <laughs> that's where they got the name of the show from <laughs> Kind of makes it okay if you have a catchphrase when you do it, right? <laughs> Your Honor, Exhibit A, my catchphrase. And he's like, well, I will say that is quite whimsical. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, all the women in the show, just they, they're not shapely at all. They're like skinny, and yeah. they also look to be about 40 years old. Yeah. All of them. You know what I mean? Even though they're probably like 30. Like well, that back whole thing. then, just actors played people. Like, everyone in Goodfellas is supposed to be 21. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, my <laughs> yes, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 21? Something, they're all in their early 20s, like, storyline-wise. Dude, they're... But it's all actors, like, 35, 40 years old 21, playing 21, dude. I just got done going to the pediatrician at 21, I think. You still going to the pediatrician? I mean, I'm doing a little bit of an exaggeration for comedic yeah. effect, Matthew. But <laughs> I, yeah, oh my god. Did they? I imagine that the pediatrician was like, "You're still not done growing yet. Yeah. We, we, you need to keep coming back." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> dude. Exactly. And you've been growing. I have been. I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. The, I mean, since the podcast started, because of how horny I am for you. <laughs> oh, man, dude. This is this is yeah. Yeah, this does feel familiar because we've podcasted before. Yes. Yeah. It feel, I mean, it feels a little different. Hmm. Huh. I wonder what the difference is. But you yeah. are a workout guy. Yes. How, tell us about that. Um, Look so, at the camera. Yes. Yeah, so growing up, uh, was always a sports guy. Always playing, trying to play sports. I wasn't that good at them. I wasn't very naturally athletic. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I was always like, not necessarily like weightlifting, but always workouts for different sports, even if it was just like practice for Little League Baseball or whatever it was. I was always very physical. Mm-hmm. Um and again, not very athletic, so I was like hurt all the time, like black and blue marks, scratches, cuts, because I was just always like diving on the ground after the ball, like anything I could do to uh, be as competitive as the kids who were more athletic than me. And um, then uh, amateur wrestling was like the most serious workouts I ever did because those those workouts are insane. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think any every it makes you a better person for the rest of life, like work ethic wise, discipline wise, mm-hmm. just having to go through amateur wrestling practice because it's explain what amateur wrestling is for people that don't know. Us? Um, so the drills you do, it's uh it's almost like I feel like every sport in some way is uh, a metaphor for just what wrestling or fighting is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you dunked on someone. It's like, yeah, but I can kick your ass. Like, that's really what you're kind of representing with any of that stuff. You beat someone on a deep ball in a football game. It's really just, I out-alphaed you, or I was better at performing this thing than you. Kind of fighting or wrestling takes away all that extra stuff. It's not throwing a ball. It's not running faster. It's just me versus you. And you'll start in positions where this guy's now on top of me and I now have to lift them off of me. Mm -hmm. And you didn't do it right. You have to do it again. You're doing that for 10 or 15 minutes. 
and you can't physically do it anymore and they're making you do it again. Oh, geez. Um, you'll do drills where um, then you have someone, you're on top and you have to get them down and they're trying to fight against you. It's just person on person strength and or technique. Um, if you know better technique, you can actually out technique people. Mm -hmm. um, but even that, it takes like, you need to have that knowledge. Um, it's like chess, except your cardiovascular and and everything on your body is like, you're trying to think three moves ahead while also trying not to get tired mm -hmm. and not to be weak. And so, the white one goes first. Yes, every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just, uh, it's one of the most intense workouts that you'll ever be through, uh, you'll ever go through. And then I get recruited into pro wrestling and I'm a skinny kid from like a low weight class in amateur wrestling. Mm -hmm. My last year I was like 14 or 15 and I was in the 130 pound weight class. Ooh, wow. And I was like five, nine. I know a certain someone that's 130 pounds. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Actually um, I'm 145 pounds cause I was in ooh, the South for a week. <laughs> you're in a bulk. You're bulking. <laughs> bulk yeah. Yeah. The South made me bulk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So then for progress and then it became about like lifting weights, uh, eating 4,000 calories a day, 200 grams of protein. 4,000 calories. Yeah. That's that, that's at the point where you're like, I don't want to eat anymore. No, I always wanted to eat. Oh really? Yeah. You could comfortably eat 4,000 and it At doesn't that, feel like work. Yeah. Well, also I was like 18, 19 when uh -huh. I started doing it. So horny. I, yes. <laughs> we horny for food. So yeah. I was able to, um, kind of, it didn't all have to be just like grilled chicken and lettuce. It was still mostly like grilled. I was on college campus. So it was still mm. mostly like grilled chicken sandwiches, mm. turkey burgers. But at the end of the night, if I was low on calories, I can get a pint of ice cream. And I was working out enough that it wouldn't like really show on me. You could comfortably dirty bulk. Yes. Um, but yeah, so then it was, uh, yeah, weightlifting every day, sometimes twice a day, wrestling on weekends. And then just the wrestling itself is a workout also. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I've been exercising or being active so much of my life that I kind of have to to feel normal. Yeah. 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 You, um, We've had conversations about that before where you just go to the gym just to, to, cause you feel strange if you don't. You yeah. I mean? And I have to do like workouts at home every morning also. Cause mm -hmm. uh, on rest days, mm -hmm. if I'm not going to the gym to do a full workout, mm -hmm. um, just because if I do actually go to the gym, the six days a week, seven days a week, mm -hmm. sometimes even if I hit five days a week, I'll just like, I'm not feeling as strong as I normally am. And like you risk injury. And mm -hmm. so I just, I do like kind of like a body weight workout every morning just so I can, uh, comfortably take more the rest days i actually need from the gym ah yeah okay yeah i uh wow look at us a couple of buff boys talking there you about go <laughs> that's uh so so you did you start working like weightlifting as a teenager uh like 17 or my senior year of high school they had a weight training class i'm so jealous dude yeah because because your story i feel like like if someone just talked to me and they were like, you're clumsy and you kind of can't see. Yeah. And you can't catch a ball. Yeah. And you, and you're and you can't run. Yeah. Um, you should lift weights because anyone can lift weights. You can't. <laughs> that sounded like a backhanded compliment. No, but no, you know I what am I mean? like an inspiration. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not wearing my glasses now, but yeah, I am uh, <laughs> nearsighted. So um, I need to wear them when I drive and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, if you're nearsighted, if you're Jewish, we don't need to say all the things. <laughs> if you're Jewish, if you're unathletic, can't see, let's say what we really mean. If you run the banks. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know someone told me, so I, I get this regularly that I people think that I'm Jewish. Yeah. Because um, you're like really annoying. Because I'm really annoying. And, I, <laughs> and I, I was, I've I been thinking about this. I think it's just because I look kind of strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're yep. like, he's white, but there's yeah. something off about him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for me, I was like a rail thin, mm -hmm. unathletic, uncoordinated. Coordinated mm -hmm. kid. There is something too, like if I could lift weights and get bigger, anyone can a little bit. As long as as long as I think like you learn proper form so you don't hurt yourself. Yes. Then it's just discipline. Yeah. And you I think know? there is something to starting to work out at like 17 or 18. I kind of got mm -hmm. in right under the wire where yeah. I was still growing a bit. Mm -hmm. So I was able to like like my senior year of high school, you'll see pictures of me where like when I'm younger, I'm like rail thin everywhere. But my senior year of high school, my shoulders are broad, but my mm. arms are like number two pencils. So uh. I said so I started working out as the shoulders broadened out a bit. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you wait till you're like mid 20s or later than that to work out, I feel like you're going to be a little bit limited in how much size you can actually put on your shoulders are not going to broaden anymore yeah i started working out when i was 20 or 21 yeah and, and then i took a break to do alcoholism for a couple of years right and then i came back yeah um and yeah my shoulders i mean part of it is genetic i think but yeah some, i have yeah. tiny tiny i mean you know yeah 
disproportional to the rest of my body yeah. is uh, are my shoulders. Yeah, you know, and I and I I do an entire day for shoulder uh, for sh for shoulders. shoulders for shoulders. Yeah, yeah. and. No dice, Chicago. Yeah, but yeah, you can't make your shoulders broader. You can no. get them like stronger mm -hmm. and more cut. There's, I mean, there's guys who people don't. I always did functional and athletic strength training because mm -hmm. that was uh, when I started like weightlift. I was in that senior year of high school. There was a weightlifting class, and I was I wasn't really on a weightlifting plan yet. I was kind of I knew I was going to get into pro wrestling, and I needed to put on some weight. Mm -hmm. I was like. 150 something pounds and by the end of that year i got up to like 175 for my first match of, um, of like more muscle than fat yeah that's cool and i was doing Impressive. all right um but that was also around the time my shoulders were filling out so i was kind of getting bigger but mm -hmm. i had fractured my collarbone like in training before my first match um and just uh never took my shirt off around anyone because i knew if anyone saw i was kind of sticking out a bit that they would take me out of the match and i didn't want to just take it out oh. of the match yeah you're um, a lunatic yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but uh, so then that summer, I couldn't really work out at all, but I was on the still eating healthy. So I lost all I uh, left college. I had like a physical before I left for college mm -hmm. and I was 157 pounds mm -hmm. at this height. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I uh, read like a workout book. Actually, this is I read the Triple H workout book. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, so you were into the game. I was it was that's the name of the book. Oh. Ma the making of the game. <laughs> <laughs> just me saying something retarded and you're like yeah. that's actually it yes <laughs> um i read his workout book and kind of emulated those uh workout plans i think in without that, the vitamin s without the vitamin s mm -hmm. um i wanted to take the vitamin s i know <laughs> i know my coaches wouldn't let me mm -hmm. i i like that you're honest about that oh yeah yeah you're like i would have but i 100 would have mm -hmm. if i uh wasn't around uh also it was like right after chris benoit killed his family and mm -hmm. everyone on news was like steroids and wrestling Even so my, it was more it was more CTE than probably him. yeah it was uh steroid rage is like you punch a hole in the wall it's not you kill your wife and son and leave bibles next to their bodies <laughs> over a weekend <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then google the lazarus story exactly yeah. retarded <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah so i um it was like i had a coach tell me um it's bad pr you'll get booked more if you're known as someone who can pass a drug test mm -hmm. and um I, it's uh, like working clean as a comedian. Yeah. Can you work clean? Then you get yeah. booked more. Are, and, or is your piss clean? You can yes. wrestle more. And um, they also told me at the time they felt like the future of pro wrestling was going to be more like sleek, like athletic type bodies as opposed to the big, like giant guy. And if you when watch, are Twinks making their comeback? I mean, if you watch, if you watch wrestling now, it mostly looks like theater kids who do CrossFit. There's ah. not as many of the huge Hulk Hogan. There's not a lot of 300 pounders anymore. Mm -hmm. I got up to like 225, 230. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remembered thinking like, God, I wanted to be like 250 and I, and also it was a little bit dirty. Like I had a little bit of the offensive lineman body where you're like big and strong, but kind of like fat also mm -hmm. like, uh, with the puffy face, the, a little bit. the face is the giveaway. Yeah. So I was like big enough, but now I'm like, I'm like 20, 30 pounds lighter than I was then. And you look younger. Yes. And I look well, cause I had the long hair. I had the goatee. I was trying to look older when I was like 19. I was, I was all about, um, I need people to respect me and think I'm older. Now the respect thing, was yeah. that the catalyst to start working out as a teenager in general? Um, I think that was kind of the catalyst of like everything, like playing sports, the g running and diving after everything was just always, uh, wanting respect, never feel anything I did, never feeling like, uh, never feeling like it was enough, no matter what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, anytime other people compliment me, I kind of don't believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, same dude. Yeah. I like, I developed confidence, mm -hmm. um, because I knew that I was going to be like, I need to feel good about myself because whenever anyone else says something nice about me, I'm kind of like, all right, what are they angling for? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Oh, Matt, that's why we're friends. Yeah. Too. When someone compliments <laughs> me, even in comedy, if they say a lot of nice things about me, it's like, oh, you've done this. You've done mm -hmm. that i'm like oh you like me because i've done things not because you actually like i'm always mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there's always something that other people are up to yeah mm -hmm. um so i so i and some of then it's like all right so i develop like confidence feel good about myself and then sometimes people won't compliment me because they'll be like he already loves himself i don't need to say anything nice about him I'm like no 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 i still do okay please guys <laughs> matt will be reading the comments yes please say <laughs> nice things i actually don't do that I you don't read the comments. Not real. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll see them, but mm -hmm. it's like, or people send stuff to me. Mm -hmm. um, early on, I would like look at them thinking, um, 
that could be constructive feedback. Yeah. Uh, if you've read enough comments, you know yeah. that's few and far between. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You can't. Re I mean, I know some people that read the comments and yeah. it's like, dude, it's just some guy. It's just some yeah. guy somewhere that's bored. Or if you read them, you can't like let any of them get to you. You're mm. never as good as your biggest fan. You're never as bad mm. as your worst critic thinks you are. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do yeah. disagree about the first part. I think I am. As, <laughs> I think I am as good yeah. as my biggest fan. Um, but yeah, then like working out and everything was always kind of like, um, yeah, it's always a, uh, uh, I think I've got at the point where I think you can be happy. I can be happy, but not satisfied. So I can be happy and feel good about myself, but it's never going to be enough. You always have to keep working, and mm -hmm. you can feel that without being depressed about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the not being satisfied thing. Oh, you're like Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I, you haven't seen the play, but he, he, he that's the thing is... Um, no, I only I, I only pay attention to the Hamilton stuff when it's a white person. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't buy into any of this black Hamilton black stuff. Black Hamilton, dude. <laughs> That's what the name of the play is, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did I, I saw some criticism of that when it first came out and it was like, huh, George Washington is black. Hamilton's Puerto Rican. I'm like, you do know they're they're rapping and dancing yeah, too, right? Yeah, that's not like the only unbelievable thing, dude. Yeah, I did I, when I first heard about Hamilton, I was like, this is going to be the like the geekiest thing imaginable, and yeah. it is. Yeah. But my friend was like, you have to listen to it because you like history and you like rap music. Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck, it is very good. I would probably like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lot of hip hop references. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and so the two things that you're most nerdy about history and hip hop. Yeah. They, <laughs> there's a bunch of lines in there that, um, uh, like Hamilton says, "I'm only 19, but my mind is older." Yeah. And that's a line from Mob Deep, the song uh, "Shook Ones Part Two, which is yeah. the instrumental that Eminem raps to at the end of Eight Mile. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um. Yeah. yeah. Super jealous that you started working out at like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. That first year, I kind of didn't really know what I was doing. But then mm. I uh, I think it may have been in the Triple H book or somewhere where I just saw people like recording down everything that they would do. And mm. I did that for like about four years. I I don't think I still have them, but I had I kept them for a while because I would look back at them. But I had like full notebooks of um, every single workout I did. Um, how much I slept every single night, every single thing I ate, mm -hmm. and just little notes on how I was feeling or mm -hmm. specific things I noticed about different parts of my body. Because um, I was never in like a bodybuilding or a powerlifting routine. Because I was fucking around guys who were like 250 pounds, 300 pounds on steroids. I was never going to be, I never got a lot of, it maybe very early on, but especially not, I never had the ego lifter thing. I'm never yeah. like, do one rep on 315 just to see if I can do it. I don't care about any of that. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted to be stronger, especially for pro wrestling, you're lifting and moving people and you have to do it delicately. So you don't drop them on their head because it is a performance and you're trusting each other. Um, and some of that, I think, uh, from doing amateur wrestling, I think anytime, even if you meet like a really skinny wrestler, there's just, when people talk about like natural strength or wiry strength or farm strength, like that's not a real thing. It's like... No one's naturally born strong, but you do you do something like amateur wrestling or lifting stuff on a farm all the time and you just develop strength. But you're not doing like a bodybuilding routine where you at like there's rock climbers who can lift as much as bodybuilders mm -hmm. and their bodies look completely different. Mm -hmm. um, but my thought was always if I'm in the gym and I'm lifting and I'm training and I'm doing strength training, my body will catch up. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of have in my head if something will build strength. I feel like that's something I want to do, but anything that's ever like just for aesthetics, I made, I I'll, I'll do, but I don't have the same motivation for. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, well, let me know if you agree with this. I think yeah. most of the differentiation between like, oh, this is for bodybuilding and this is, uh, for powerlifting yeah. for the average person. They're like one in the same. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's only important for the outliers. Like it's only important for like the professional bodybuilders or the professional powerlifters. You know? Like, yeah, I got. Yeah, I could see that. To so the average person, they probably wouldn't notice much of a difference. The, the powerlifters are doing those like one or two reps on five hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. Bodybuilders generally aren't doing uh, just the most weight possible, mm -hmm. but they're doing like aesthetics mm -hmm. workouts, mm -hmm. specifically like work on the peak of your bicep, work on the this of that. And mm -hmm. I was always, um, I do kind of, I work on grips and angles and try and do things differently to challenge the muscle. And it mm -hmm. doesn't, your muscle doesn't know how much it's lifting. It just knows how hard it's working. I've been working on dick pulls. Dick pulls. Yeah. I, I've been working on dick pull outs. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh man. No, but seriously, be careful. Out yes. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, what was I going to say?
The powerlifting weight, uh, powerlifting bodybuilding. Yeah, and then we yeah. started talking about dicks, and I got distracted. Right, it happens. It happens to me yeah. constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, no, I yeah, I never wanted. Also, a lot of the like bodybuilder bodies, I think even girls think look kind of gross. At a certain point, it's like it's I not think, attractive. I do think though, the average person, um, or, or yeah, yeah, the average person, I think if they're not taking vitamin S, yeah, are gonna be, they're not gonna look like that. That's true. You know what too. I mean, yeah. Um. Yeah. Damn. I re I really wanted to take steroids when I first yeah. started wrestling because I if, was yeah because I looked at all these guys and I I remember thinking at the time I'll be responsible I'll take it in the cycles that I'm supposed mm -hmm. to um but in hindsight as soon as I if I knowing how I was at the time as soon as it started working yeah. I would not have done that I would have been like okay I need I yeah. can do more right yeah I've heard yeah. some people describe it like it's an addiction like anything else so you're yeah. like oh I'm getting bigger faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you look at all of the side effects, like the negative side effects, and not even like the health ones. Yeah. Just like if you're taking them for vanity, like they're you're going to lose your hair. Not always, but you could lose your hair. You could get acne. You yeah. could get man boobs is the one I'm like, no way. Well, yeah, most of the guys <laughs> I knew who were on steroids would also take estrogen blockers. Uh -huh. um, okay. That was part of um, the depending on which cycle they were on, what mm -hmm. they were doing, they would usually take something to prevent the. That's how some guys uh, have gotten caught before. They got steroids with good masking agents, like mm -hmm. pro athletes. You've heard I've heard stories of they get uh, the steroids they're taking. They got ones that won't show up on a drug test, mm -hmm. but the estrogen blockers show up on the drug test, and uh. there's no reason you'd be taking the estrogen blockers unless it was to offer set side effects of steroids oh wow okay yeah. damn that's that's crazy so i oh i don't know if you know the answer to this question maybe like the your former co-workers that were that were doing cycles of steroids um is there like a michael jackson doctor that sort of like oversees what they're doing or is it just like yeah my buddy says these work um, so at a higher level of athletics, mm -hmm. there certainly, there has been, I've seen some of the, like, like the WWF court case back in the day, they had a doctor who okay. was like overseeing everybody. Mm -hmm. The guys I knew, um, yeah, a lot of them knew doctors in different areas. A lot of them, um, would, or there would be like one guy who knew the doctor who would then ha like get stuff and distribute to the others. Uh, there were a couple guys, one guy I knew who was from Southern California, um, who back in the day used to go down to Mexico to get his steroids. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. uh, disclaimer guys, don't do steroids. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like almost a moral obligation. Yeah. Well, that guy who used to go down to Mexico ended up beating his girlfriend. So. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so maybe roid rage is real. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Or the insecurity that makes you do steroids yeah, also makes you. Yeah, he might have actually been. Yeah, this, <laughs> I, I feel weird about that because there's so many people, when people are just like roid rage, mm -hmm. that, like. These are not, no matter what you take, mm -hmm. any medication, mm -hmm. when it's like, these are side, possible side effects. Not everyone gets them. Yeah. There's plenty of people who take steroids who don't experience roid rage mm -hmm. um, or any of the other side effects also. Oh, I heard it makes yeah. you very horny. Um, I mean, testosterone in general does. Mm -hmm. That's the thing also that some of the effects of steroids are things that I've known guys who just started working out for the mm -hmm. first time in their life and six months into working out, they're getting big for the first time mm -hmm. and now they want to fight people all of a sudden. Yeah. They never took steroids. They just have more testosterone going through their body. Newbie gains, dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, I miss my newbie gains. That yeah. was so, because I didn't know about the phenomenon. So I was like, I'm going to keep getting bigger until oh, the day yeah. that I die. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I wish that... Um, I wish that they would continue. Yeah. But, you know, you can only compare yourself. This is, who said this? I don't remember who, but you can only compare yourself. Was to it your, Nietzsche? It might have been Nietzsche, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. I know you listened to the Gabby Jordan Brown episode. <laughs> uh, for those that are listening to this episode and didn't listen to the one with Gabby Jordan Brown, she's very funny and she's a woman. And I mansplained who Nietzsche was. Yes. Because I uh, misinterpreted. Uh, she, uh, you know, she was doing one of her little bits. Yeah. And she was pretending not to know who Nietzsche was. I actually did. I put my ego aside, Matt, and yes. clipped that because it there is objectively go. funny. Yes. It will be, you guys can follow me at Bob. Bobby Sheen, LOL, if there you want to you see go. clips from the podcast that you're listening to right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. So I yeah. think of, um, uh, so you're working out from a very young age, and I think of that type of athleticism as being, you have to be disciplined. Yeah. Did you have 
Um, did you have a routine when you started working out in terms of sleep, food, working out, all that stuff? Um, kind of. I was in college at the time, so and even now my schedule is a little volatile with comedy. Mm -hmm. And in college, it was a little bit different. But for the most part, those notebook logs, I would rank on a scale of one to ten after like everything I did, how I felt, and take notes about different things, and then just repeat the things that I felt like were helping me have better workouts, of uh, just feeling better overall. Mm -hmm. I was really tired this day as opposed to this day. What did I do differently? Like just going and comparing those notes all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there were certain, and because that really is, everyone's body is different. So for me, morning workouts are never really that good for me. Like a bodyweight workout in the morning, but like a go to the gym full workout, um, I don't get as much out of it. I'm not, uh, I can take an energy drink. Um, I only took pre-workout a couple of times because that shit's insane. It's like, <laughs> dude, I, I took pre-workout exactly once and yeah. I, um, the bottle, this is, I was like, 2021 20, yeah and the bottle told me um that it kicks in 15 minutes yeah. after you take it and at the time i was uh i would drive 15 minutes to the gym so i'm like this is perfect i'm yeah. gonna drink it right before i drive and i got music on and i'm driving and i look down and i'm speeding <laughs> <laughs> it's like this yeah. weird fucking and, yeah and i um you get like a your heart raises naturally from from exercise yeah but the way my heart was racing by the way i'm still in the car yeah the way my heart was racing made me uncomfortable yeah i'm like i don't think my body's supposed to feel this way yeah i've taken uh i just i don't need that much mm -hmm. for a workout so i usually do energy drinks but i remember when i tried some morning workouts like uh the wake up at 6 a.m get to the gym before class and see and take a pre-workout but also i was also, you can go with less sleep then in general. Mm -hmm. um, in college, I don't think I went to sleep before midnight, like, ever. Yeah. Um, maybe well, if You're a late-night well, Johnny in general. Actually, a couple times. I worked a... Yeah, I worked uh, an overnight uh, job a couple times. I was resident safety when I was in college. So sometimes I would work, like, a shift starting at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. So I would sleep from, like, 10 to 2 or something like that. Okay. So outside of that, I never... I was never sleeping before... Like, going to sleep before midnight. I was also never a caffeine guy. Until I never drank caffeine growing up at all. Um, I didn't like coffee when my parents would have it, and I didn't know of energy drinks. Mm -hmm. And it was like my sophomore year of college, I had to pull an all nighter for a paper after uh -huh. not getting much sleep the day before. So I had, they had amp energy drinks on campus. Ooh. I had one of those, and I was up for like the next two days. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Coke Wired. for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, one time I had to pull like two all nighters in a row, and I had, so I had two amp energy drinks within a 24 hour period. Uh huh. And it was the weirdest. I was like wide awake and exhausted at the same time. Yeah. It mm -hmm. was a very strange feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I had a couple of like morning workouts, wake up early. Because that's also just the thing you would see people who wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And um, every time I did it, I never felt a, as good after the workout and as good the next day or so. Mm -hmm. um, I would back then, if I would do two workouts a day, I would do like an afternoon workout and a nighttime workout. I was mm -hmm. able to do night workouts back then. I don't like doing it now because it keeps me awake. Um, and you get like that surge of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, back then I didn't care. Yeah. Um, and also now I can't do like two workouts a day. Like I could back then and still feel like good. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, those notebook logs and that just like recording everything I did for four years was like, it just gave me the baseline of, I know what to do as far as working out, eating healthy. So then times in my life when I'm not doing that, mm -hmm. I'm just straying away from the thing that I already know how to do. Yeah. So I could kind of at any point just get back onto that. Mm -hmm. I, I know the discipline and the things to do. Mm -hmm. And I have that like in me. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like it's definitely Simple, not, but yeah. not easy. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not easy to do, but I know the th I think a lot of people when they can't get is like where do I even start mm -hmm. and that's so much of it for a lot of people and I know all the things to do so yeah there's times where I'll just be eating like shit all the time but I'm I'm always working out just for my mental health mm -hmm. but I have the dirty bulk I've had the dirty bulk going on a lot <laughs> uh, where I'll be like uh, like at Fight Club people make fat jokes about me and I would want to be like fucking feel my butt I'm yeah, solid like that's how you should respond Matt yes I mean I I think that I don't actually say it there's times where people do jokes about someone at Fight Club and they get actually upset and it never looks good. It's, it's always a bad look. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, cool. I think that, um, yeah, I think working out uh, from a young age uh, makes you disciplined, even like yeah. to have the logbook. Yeah. Because I think I, it- I think that came from amateur wrestling, honestly, and just playing sports growing up made me disciplined. So okay. then when I was getting into working out, mm -hmm. I am always looking for the things to do to know everything because that came from- these fucking long ass practices of like arrest amateur wrestling matches, two minute round, two minute round, three mm -hmm. minute round. And we would do 10, 10, 20 mm -hmm. <laughs> physically moving and maneuvering someone for 10 straight minutes yeah. while they're trying to do it to you. And then another 10 minutes. And then, and just there were times where they just wouldn't blow the whistle. Like they would like let you run the light, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but then it's just like, geez, this is a long 10 minutes and mm -hmm. 10 minutes is long. And they're like, Oh yeah, they let you go like 15 there. Oh, no. And then it's like, you got to do another 10, but it's going to be more than 10 also. It's just exhausting. I like it because it yeah. sounds like boot camp, but for n like not an important thing at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, and my pro wrestling training was like full on. Like There were like former military people in my pro wrestling oh, wow. uh, okay. group who gave up. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. One so the, you're you're almost like a Navy SEAL if you really think about if it. If you think about it, I am kind of like a Navy SEAL. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, because my pro wrestling training, that is really... Um, I was trained by some old school guys, so I don't know if it's the same now for everybody, but it was all about just trying to get you to quit because there's so much trust in pro wrestling of like lifting people up and slamming them and protecting each other. And um, back in the day, um, especially back in the day, not necessarily... Um, Everyone knows it's not real, but you as the performer never let people in on the fact that it isn't real. Mm -hmm. um, so people can buy into it. It's kind of like, you know, in a movie, the character you're watching never lets you in on the fact that I'm not Maximus. I'm actually Russell Crowe. <laughs> so in pro wrestling, you want people to come back and see you the next month or the next week. So the show is always happening, kind of. So I always kind of took it as if they see me outside of the ring, I don't want to let them know I'm actually, you know, I'm not going to be the same person I am in the ring. I'm not a psychopath. Actually, back then I might have been a little bit, but you kind of want to be that person who they see all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's there's a lot of dedication to it physically, mentally and everything. So they really do just like beat the shit out of you and want to see if you're tough enough to keep doing it. And if you actually have like the love and respect that they believe you need to to actually do this. So, yeah, that training is just my first day. It was a five mile run. Um, after the first two miles, they gave you a book bag with 25 pound weights in it okay. for the next oh, two miles. You had to bring the weights somewhere. Yes, you had to go and deliver them. to someone. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were training you to wrestle, and if you don't make it, be a UPS delivery driver. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, You're like, hey, can I actually just use like a like a truck instead? Yeah, can I use this skill for something other than wrestling? Yeah, dude. Um, and the last mile was off the track and just up a hill. I don't even know if it was – I don't know how long it was, but we were with the weights running uphill, and they put us in like a basement with no air conditioning, windows closed, and said you can't leave here until you do like – 300 push-ups, 500 steps, and 1,000 squats. Just Ooh, some ridiculous squats, free, free weight squats. I, I used to do one. hundreds of those like every day. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I was like second or third to last in the class. It was like 10 of us. So that was still super skinny. I wasn't like top of the class by any means. But um, there was like one person who quit partway through. And the next week, there were only like three or four of us who showed up. And one of the guys was like a military guy who was like jacked. And I was like, Fuck, I'm going to clash with that guy. That's the guy who's going to make it, not me. And he didn't show up the next week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's when they started teaching us how to take falls. Okay. And started putting us in holds. And then like a week or two later, I was the only one showing up for class. So Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. You, you were the only one that got the rose at the end. Yep. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I, getting the rose at the end makes it seem like they chose me out of everyone. Mm -hmm. I was just the one who was in, dumb mm. enough to keep coming back after getting beat up every week. <laughs> Welcome to wrestling boot camp. Are you dumb enough? Yeah. <laughs> they told me they did like two other classes. They just had one spot in the show to fill. And mm. there's a bunch of kids who are always like, I want to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And um, they, uh, so they were like, all right, we'll get as many of them to quit. And if we get one, we could throw them in this match and maybe never hear from them again. Oh, okay. And I, like the other classes, they said that everyone quit. Mm. So I was thrown into this match. And um, a lot of times they do that with the guy and the guy's never heard from again. Um, but they liked me and I made friends with enough of the guys. I had to rest all summer. So my collarbone healed. Oh. And, uh, then in the fall I had a couple of guys numbers and they brought me along to a show. Um, and I went to a show and they had an open spot there. It was just one of those, almost like when you get thrown up on a stand on a comedy show. Um, that's the, the rule in wrestling is always bring your gear. You just go to hang out at a show, always bring your gear because if they have an open spot, you want to be able to fill it. So I was there, I had my gear 
they need a spot to fill. And then just kind of from there, word of mouth. Because in wrestling, it's uh, you have to work with somebody. So every time you're uh, like in comedy, you it's so much it, it can be so much of you're in it for yourself. Um, with wrestling, you can't look good unless someone else is making you look good. So if you have like a young guy who's like new, a lot of times you want to take him under your wing and you want him to like you. So they'll make you look good. You want to work with other people who will make you look good. But stand up, it's kind of, yeah, I'll book this person because they book a show. Yeah. And that's about it. A hundred percent. Although I, I will say that one comedian on the lineup can make everybody else look bad. If they're like too good. No, <laughs> no, yeah, or no. If they're too bad. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's uh that's a big pet peeve of mine is uh you have to pick the host and the bullet spot very carefully. Because yeah. I think they set the the tone for the show. Yeah. And if you you have uh you know, like uh maybe they're from LA or yeah. LA. Yeah. And you know, they just kinda they kinda fuck the whole show. Yeah. yeah. So c- can I ask what was the transition like? Because you don't do wrestling anymore, now no. you're a comedian. Yeah. What was that transition like? Um, so there was like a six month overlap where I was starting to do some comedy stuff on my college campus and still taking wrestling bookings. Mm -hmm. The wrestling bookings were getting fewer and far between. I was a very cocky 21 year old who didn't mind burning bridges. Oh, yeah. Um, If I didn't like uh, the direction a wrestling promoter or a booker was uh, going with their show or the characters, I had no problem letting them know exactly how I felt. But in a a very polite, amicable (laughs) way. (laughs) I wish. Um. So sometimes people didn't take kindly to that, even if you're doing well on their show. We don't take yeah. kindly to young folks who think they can run a better wrestling yeah. show around here. So I wasn't getting booked as much. I felt like I was getting better. Um, and I just um, I didn't I was like it was the transition phase of being like a dorky kid who was skinny and didn't get attention from it or respect from anyone to all of a sudden now being in shape. Girls want to hang out with you after shows and people want to talk to you after the shows. People want to work with you and book with you. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of 19, 20 year olds that would go to their head and I was not all of them. Mm-hmm. I feel sometimes I say that and I feel like I'm making excuses for myself. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it definitely went to my head. And um, so I think uh, shift into comedy helped a lot because it. Uh, I think people who get into comedy usually... Usually they're people who um, are like comedy helps them come out of their shell. A lot of times, especially if you see someone who's new, there's someone who was like really confident and felt good about themselves and comedy humbles them. And those people usually quit. Um, (laughs) I'm that, but I'm just so competitive and like, I'm going to keep doing this. But Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. It like humbled me and I think made me. I think in general, you have things when you're younger, you kind of go through phases and then you mellow out as you get older. Comedy really like forced me to have to mellow out. Yeah. Um, Because you just can't be bombing all the time and still feel good about yourself. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so the transition, it um, in some ways, like the thing I was best at in wrestling that I got really good at was the mic work and like being the villain and kind of coming up with like kind of what are now like I look back on as like roast lines that I was saying about people Um, but back then it was a little different because I could never be if I was too funny or too clever the crowd would kind of like me Mm -hmm. and I was very dedicated to being the villain Mm -hmm. so I would like maybe say a line here or there if anybody in the crowd laughed I would then just tell them that uh they shouldn't laugh because, uh, and then just insult them somehow. Were you always the heel, the bad guy? At first, no. When you're new, you're just, uh, nobody knows who you are. Uh-huh. Um, and also, you're inexperienced as far as the physical part of it. And usually the villain is the one leading the physical part of it. Oh. Um, because the villain, even in movies, the villain is really the one dictating the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the good guy has some to have something they're fighting against. Um, so the villain is always the... Uh, the whole story is always based on what the villain is doing to the good guy. If you don't have a really good villain, you're not going to have a really good good guy. So in wrestling, a lot of times the good guy the good guy starts off doing really well. The bad guy then does something cheating, somehow takes advantage, and then is beating down the good guy for most of the match. Good guy makes the comeback and wins. That's your typical pro wrestling match. I don't know if I'm breaking this down too much for anybody, but um, uh, there's people at home taking notes. Right okay. Now. Um, and uh, so, and the same thing in any movie, you have the good guy is doing great. It's called the shine. You, you see how great this good guy is. And then the bad guy does something dastardly to them. And most of the movie is them trying to fight the comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when you're new, you don't really know the psychology and the storytelling. So you're generally not going to be a bad guy when you're new. Um, also, I was super skinny. I wasn't going to be threatening in any way. Um, once I got bigger and I got a little more experience and I started getting some more talking on the microphone, I was naturally like just better at playing the villain. Um, I also really liked playing the villain. And a lot of people always, people always say they want to be the bad guy, but really they want to be like the cool bad guy. And I was very dedicated to, I don't want a single person here to like me at all. I had nice. people wait for me after shows to fight me. Oh my God. Yeah, a few times. Oh, so some people really do think that wrestling is real. Yeah, or they would always say, I know it's not real, but he went too far. Interesting. Yeah. How can you go too far if it's not real? That's um, like saying like, oh, the Joker, when he did that thing with the pencil. Yeah. Now I'm mad at Heath Ledger. I would just embarrass guys in front of their girlfriends. That's usually what it was. Oh no. If a guy was there, I remember one time a guy, um, uh... I started hitting on a girl in the front row during my entrance out to the ring, and uh, some guy was like, she's taken. And I was like, she's with you. She's not taken. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> He line. did not like that. <laughs> oh, it's theater, though. That's insecurity. Did that, oh, exactly. Did I that mean, guy really think he's like, damn, it's over with me and her? Did you think that? Did you think every guy who waited for me after a show to fight me, it had nothing <laughs> to do with insecurity? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> That's true, every time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there were a few of those where I, if I saw a guy, the first time I did the thing with the guy who was with the girl, it worked really well. And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing that. That yeah, guy yeah. really hated me. Mm -hmm. um, there was one time guys got mixed. I made fun of the local sports team. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. The Penguins? No, it was up in near Ithaca. And I made fun of the Cornell basketball team. There were a bunch of dudes in Cornell shirts and they like drew a full Coke can at me. In the ring. I turned around and it hit me in the chest. It would have hit me in the back of the head. Well, it takes more than that to bring down a bull moose. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I ended up, I walked over to them and like shook up the can and opened it and sprayed them in the face of that. They, oh, hell yeah. They hit the other guy's entrance music. Usually there'd be some sort of verbal cue I would have. Mm -hmm. They hit his music before I could hit it. And they told me after they thought I was going to start a legit riot and they just needed to get the match started. That's hilarious. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did go too far. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times where I could have still gotten people to not like me without saying some of the stuff I did. Mm -hmm. But I was like fucking 19. And but your mind was older. My mind was older. Mm -hmm. um, so then, yeah, going into comedy, it was um, from very early on. Um, I was always a writer also. Just growing up, I like in school, I did well on writing assignments because I could... The other one's just like, I have to get the right answer. For writing assignments, I can kind of work my way to saying whatever the right answer. I wrote for the school paper in college. Um, so when I started stand-up, I was very, like, kind of one-liners. Um, and in hindsight, a lot of hacky one-liners. Stuff that I now have seen as, like, memes and stuff elsewhere. Mm. But so when I started, all I would read, the compliment I would always get from if I ever got any compliments when I was new was that I had good stage presence. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that I developed that kind of in pro wrestling. So there were some of the skills I got from pro wrestling that I transferred over. And early on, I remembered hearing um, there was a pro wrestler who I heard do an interview where they said that they take influence from uh, rock stars because everyone in wrestling takes influence from wrestlers. And if you take influence from a rock star, you'll stand out. So I started really leaning into the stuff that I learned from pro wrestling and looking at what pro wrestlers do thinking same thing about comedy. Every comedian takes influence from other comedians. If I'm taking influence from other, from wrestlers, it'll make me stand out and have a different vibe than other comedians. Um, so I kind of had a lot of the, in now I look at it, I had a lot of the right things in mind. Um, but you still just don't know how to execute them until you just go on stage over and over again and fail over and over again. And it's got it's going to be soul crushing when people are like, I don't want to go to this open mic because I'm going to feel terrible about myself. I'm like, you need that. Yeah, <laughs> you need to feel terrible. about. But it may, maybe some of it is for me. I came from like being confident and needed to be humbled. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're already like a terrible, you feel terrible about yourself. Maybe you don't necessarily need that as much. What's the lack of perspective? I think if you go to an open mic and you don't do well and you're like, oh, I'm awful. It's like, you know, most people couldn't do it once. Yeah. Most people. Uh, uh, what, what What's that uh, Jerry Seinfeld quote? Um, uh, people's number two fear is death and people's number one fear is public, public speaking. speaking. Yeah. So if you go to a funeral, more people would rather be in the yeah. casket than giving the eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. So comedians, if any comedians are listening to this, be nice to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um and also, you just need to hear yourself say jokes out loud to know how you feel about them. Mm -hmm. Times where you could, I mean, maybe not when I was, when you're new, you don't necessarily have the perspective yet. But at this point, like if I, I don't feel like I really know if I like a joke or not until I bond with it. And then I get to like hear the reaction and still be like, no, nah, I still like that. A hundred percent, dude. Yeah. And I'm so, um, 
I guess, married to my ideas that I really do the three strikes and you're out rule. Yeah. Like the first, sometimes, you know, sometimes if you're like, okay, my brain is a little too weird yeah. and that's just going to be funny to me forever. Yeah. But a lot of the times I'm like, ah, I'm going to try it a couple more times. Yeah. Three strikes and you're out though. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do three strikes, you're out and then I'll, I'll let it rest for, I'll forget about it completely. Yeah. And then the next time I randomly think of it, I'm like, I'm going to try it. Again. Yeah. I yeah. also do think it's important to, um, and I, everyone makes fun of me for like always talking about wrestling and stuff. But the reason I like not just talk about it, think about it so much is that everyone, I've been in comedy for so long. Everyone's in comedy right now. All you're mm-hmm. doing is comedy. If that's all you're thinking about uh, mm-hmm. as who you are and everything, yeah. it's going to limit kind of what you can do and who you can be. I'm like, I want to think about what amateur wrestling made me, what Little League Baseball and what pro wrestling made me and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And then meld that with like everything I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. You definitely don't want to be too meta. I know yeah. uh, some people uh, who, yeah, their their identity is there to com- that they're a comedian, but it's their sole identity. Yes, and then you become one of those guys. It's it's a lot of it is inexperience because they've done a lot of open mics, been on a lot of shows. Yeah. Um. So shows uh, obviously is where where it's like an like an audience where yeah. the audience isn't just other comedians as opposed to open mic where it's all other comedians. Yeah, and they'll like do things like. Like they'll say, "Oh, that was a good tag." Yeah, and I'm watching the audience being like, "We don't know what a tag is." Yeah, because a, ta- a tag is like a, a line after the punchline. Yeah, but you only know that if you're like, either if you do comedy or you're a big comedy fan. But if you're just like on vacation with your wife, yeah, you know, you don't know what a tag is. Or also, just after the show, anytime somebody is like, uh, th- if you're just thinking about your jokes, as I said this joke, you got the audience to laugh. That's good. Mm-hmm. After the show, people walk away. That person was funny. Who? Um, the, uh, I don't remember their name. They yeah, were the, yeah. it was the, the guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, have with me, they'll say the sleeveless guy, even if it's that the yeah. guy who was a wrestler, the guy who had brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I talk about going the to really col- handsome guy, there you go. Mm-hmm. When I talk about, uh, any jokes about college, I'll say I went to Stony Brook. Sometimes someone woos, sometimes they don't, but any one person might think that's the guy who went to Stony Brook. I'm from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Just anything to connect and stay in people's minds in addition to obviously having like good jokes that are making people laugh. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a lot of comedians out there and you know, a lot of people can write a good joke. Mm-hmm. You have to like stand out in some way also. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So, um, I'm wondering, I think I know the answer to this, but let me ask anyway, do yeah. you, do you have a sleep routine? Um, kind of, I generally at this point am around going to sleep, uh, probably six, seven hours at least, depending on my work schedule over the summer, I was working mornings. I coach youth sports. So I was working at a summer camp. Mm -hmm. And so I was up at like seven or eight every morning, like seven every morning. So I would try and get like five to six hours at least. (sighs) Um, but now I'm working, uh, after mostly afternoon so I can get like seven to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on if I'm out late the night before for a comedy thing, if I have to be up early the next day, mm-hmm. depending on my, where I am in my like workout cycle. Cause I have, I have, I have a four day cycle and I just repeat that four days over and over again. Um, the actual lifts I may change up here and there. Um, but as far as just like the body parts I'm working out, I kind of have that routine depending on where i am in that how long it's been since i last worked out when i'm going to need to work out based on what shows or stuff i have um i generally don't do like very little sleep Mm -hmm. anymore i do think uh it's what sleep is i know sleep's very important to be able to um not be running on like three four hours sleep um and as you know in my 30s now it's uh not as easy to be able to pull off a four hour sleep day um, every once in a while, just schedule wise, you kind of have to. Um, but a lot of times at this point, if it's like, all right, if I, I, I'll wake up early to go to the gym and I'll only be, you know, not, I'm not the super early, but even if I'm out super late the night before, um, and I'm like, oh, five, six, five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, and then go to the gym. I'm just not going to have as good of a workout. Yeah. So it's not worth doing. So you said, uh, I get more sleep now, but you said six hours. Yeah. And that to me, even six hours is like, I need seven. Yeah. I need seven at least. I need my alarm to be seven and a half hours because yeah. I know it takes me like 15 minutes to fall asleep. So right. I know I get at least seven. Yeah. Six even. I'm, you said four. That uh, very rarely mm-hmm. now, but back in the day, I mean, I used to work at a Starbucks, my like early to mid twenties, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of four hours. Uh, there were a lot of times where I would ha- do um, 
four hours or even less than that. And I would go to, um, I would get off work and go to the gym or I would go to, um, one of those, um, uh, I forgot what it's called. There's some of these places where you could like take a 45 minute nap. You pay like 30 Ooh. bucks or something. Okay. Um, and you just like lay on a match just like 45 minutes. I've been, I went to those a couple of times back then oh, that's hilarious. because I wanted to then go out and do comedy after. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I was so exhausted, I would need, I would need something like that. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're super exhausted, you're just like, you're cognitively not all there. Yeah. You're not a hundred percent. You're not at a hundred percent. You're doing stuff like eating food off the floor. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't necessarily do everything that you would normally do. You yes. Know I mean? For those listening, I was fired from Starbucks for eating a brownie off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to bring it up. Yeah. It on. was, um, I mean, it was just, uh, at the end of the day when stuff would be, because it was going to be thrown out. A lot of times we would just eat it instead of throwing it out. Mm -hmm. And so a brownie fell on the floor and I picked it up. Five second rule mm -hmm. and put it in a bag off. Five the second side. rule is how long Matt has a job. Yes. <laughs> I was there for like over two years, um, but then uh, put it in a bag off to the side. Cause my shift was ending in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I took it when I left. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time there was like a new boss who had come in, who was starting to fire some of the people from the old regime or general manager, as you call them. General manager, just because you're, you're a Jew. wrestler. No, I'm Jewish. Oh, oh wrestler! <laughs> just the idea that yes, the general manager, Matt. This is your boss, and you're just looking blankly. Yeah, they're the GM. Yeah, this is your <laughs> boss. I give him two middle fingers and a stone cold stunner. <laughs> so you're like Vince McMahon, but for Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so new new manager. New manager comes in is um looking for a reason to get rid of certain people, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't quite realize until he fired me for the brownie on the floor thing. Uh -huh. um, there were other people who were his people mm -hmm. and would do things in front of him, like full on just give free drinks to uh, hot girls, which I did also, but mm -hmm. not in front of the boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he would do it like in front of him and the boss would like laugh at like, oh, it's how funny he gave that girl a free drink because she's hot. But... I ate a brownie off the floor and got fired. Damn. Six months later, because uh, I had friends who still worked there, that boss got fired for stealing bags of coffee. Like the full bags of coffee grinds, he was stealing those. Did they fall on the floor? I don't know. I was not there for it. <laughs> They're in bags, though. Yeah. So. Damn. I, I raw-dogged my brownie. <laughs> you got to run. Yeah, respect, honestly. Yeah. Because it's, it's I, I mean, I never worked at a Starbucks, but I used to work at a supermarket. Yeah. And it's so stupid because... Um, they have the sell by dates, like on a yogurt, you got a blueberry yogurt and it's just, uh, you know, sell by August 30th. Right. Yeah. And what people don't realize is that you could eat that yogurt on August 31st or September 1st. It's just when you have to sell it, you by. have to sell it by August 30th, which means you could eat, eat it for like a week after. Yeah. But, um, just, they just do that. Oh, the company does that for like over a abundance of caution basically yeah. they don't want you to get food poisoning from their food yeah but then it turns into this thing if oh it's the sell-by date it's august 30th it someone won't buy it if it's like august 27th right and then we had this thing you had to have uh you had to throw out all the food yeah that was like two days before the sell-by date. Yeah. So I knew that I was throwing out baskets of food, just throwing baskets of yogurt, say, yeah. into the into the big garbage chute that I knew was fine. Yeah. But you can't eat it. Right. You know, because that's stealing. Oh, I think technically they had that rule, but we mm. all did it anyway. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, see, that's my thing. You guys have a one-week rule. I had a five-second rule. Yeah. It's kind of the same it's, thing. It's it's the same thing. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's all, it's, the, the fact that the rule exists is just, uh, it's it's fear of litigation. Yeah. That's what governs, like, most corporate rules. Now we're getting to the Jewish stuff. Now <laughs> we're getting to the Jewish I How did we get this far into the podcast without mentioning that you're one of the chosen, Matt? I am. What's one of that the chosen. like? <laughs> um, uh, these, these last couple of weeks, it hasn't mm -hmm. been great. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's wild, yeah. man. Um, and Did you have a good uh, National Day of Jihad? I had a fun National Day of Jihad. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I, like, I grew up in New York, so and my family's all been in New York, mm -hmm. so I don't have like any connection to Israel, really. Mm -hmm. So anytime Israeli stuff comes up and it's like, you're Jewish, you have to care about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I care about people in general, but I'm not like tribal mm -hmm. about it mm -hmm. um i went to israel last year but that's because you get a free trip mm -hmm. <laughs> i just got drunk with a bunch of people a bunch of them are friends of mine but uh they've been uh, a few of them have been going off the last couple of weeks going off yeah. yeah well it's it's interesting because it's they 
my perception of it when it first happened was, oh, shit's popping off in the Middle East again. Yeah. And then you look at the numbers. That's exactly what most people were saying, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was uh, from Biden's speech yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, y'all, shit, shit be crazy hey, man, right now. Hey, man, shit's popping off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you look at the numbers, you're like, because uh, uh, initially they said this is, okay, so I feel like uh, because the media is so hyperbolic in a lot of ways that it's Careful. almost like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go talking about the media too much now, Bobby. <laughs> because the media who is owned by a whole bunch of different people. Yes, okay. Is, uh, is because they're hyper. It's like um, everything is breaking news now. Yeah. You know, breaking news used to be like, oh, the president was shot and killed. That's yeah. breaking news. Now it's like breaking news. We have more information about the NASDAQ. Yeah. You know, so. Breaking news. Update about the amount of cholesterol you should be yeah. eating. <laughs> Are eggs good for you? Breaking news. <laughs> so when they were like, uh, um, I think the, and this is while it's happening, so I don't have all the information. Yeah. When they said Israel's 9-11. Yeah. I was like, that can't be true. And then like a few days later, of course, you get, you know, yeah. over 1300 people. You're like, holy shit, it is a 9-11. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I thought Israel's 9-11 was 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell I got yeah, the text dude. message that morning telling me not to go into work. So. Yes. Now, now, Matt, but you're Jewish, but you don't look Jewish. Yes, that's mm -hmm. true. You want me to just do my stand-up yeah. act? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I was talking about this with friends the other day. It's yeah. the most infuriating thing you could do to someone is like yeah. to do their act back to them. But oh, in it's a, so funny. In an unfunny, like, yeah. hey, can you imagine if this was a dumbass thought that I yeah. actually had? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I just, I've been thinking about the Gettysburg Address recently. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Um, I don't know. Do you know it by any chance, by heart? Uh, I definitely don't. No, okay. No. You definitely won't hear me doing it. Uh, ooh, tonight. Yeah, that this this is released uh, Sunday night. Yes. So if people are listening uh, to this, oh yes. now. You can, if you're listening to this right now, you can actually stop listening to this <laughs> and go to Room 52 to watch mm. Comedy Fight Club where... Uh, Bobby will be playing Abraham Lincoln on Halloween uh, Halloween roast show. Hell yeah, dude! Yeah. Well, you, so uh, for those that don't know, you do run a roast show. So yes. roast battle—it's like a rap battle, but it doesn't rhyme. Right. And uh, you're the host. Yes. And it has a pro wrestling feel to it. Yeah. So the roast battle shows that there was a TV show. They came to New York and they were at the clubs. And this is like eight years ago now. And uh, me and all the other kind of comics doing open mics weren't in the clubs, mm -hmm. and we wanted to do roast, so we kind of created a comedy fight club. Just a bunch of us would gather, and then um, I just kind of kept doing it and mm -hmm. trying to build it and make it into something. And um, But yeah, so uh, I felt the other roast shows kind of did it like boxing or UFC almost, and I thought that roast battling and comedy should be more like pro wrestling. And it's also, that's my strengths. So I just basically... That's the thing you should do in comedy. Build a show completely based around your strengths. And everyone will say, you're like the perfect host for this show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's by design. Uh -huh. I just made a show that would suit me entirely. Well, I remember you were saying, like, uh, just in conversation, you like to to tease people. Yes. And then the people are always like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't Comedy Fight Club. <laughs> All the time. And you're like, well, that's actually why it's, yeah. not, it's the chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. I don't uh, make fun of my friends because I run a roast mm -hmm. battle show. I run a roast battle show because i like making fun of my friends yeah exactly um and uh or sometimes we're all just like someone else be just a comic will be talking to me i'll be like well i don't know if i want to say this around you you're going to use it against me i'm like i'm a normal person we yeah. can talk about stuff guys if you're listening matt Marin is just like you yes okay. um but uh yeah and every halloween we do the character battles mm -hmm. and you've been abraham lincoln before not yes. for comedy fight club actually Oh no! It was some it, mm -hmm. right. It was, uh, we've had other people play Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. You haven't been Abe Lincoln in a Fight Club. You were Eminem one year though. I was Eminem one year. Yes. Uh, probably one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I got that night. I got the that's right, folks. The approval of black people. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. That was Eminem the rapper versus mm -hmm. Eminem the candy in yeah, the main dude. event of Halloween Comedy Fight Club. And the because uh, you have the audience clap. 
to, to uh, and the audience claps for one of the votes in yeah. support of who they like. So did yes. you like Eminem the Candy or Eminem the Rapper? And Eminem mm. the Candy is Jess Feeney. She's a very funny comedian, and she was dressed as the green Eminem, which I want to go on record as saying is the hottest Eminem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, not anymore. No. Yes. No, no. Unfortunately, you got to get Tucker Carlson on one of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him about his morning routine, and then casually segue <laughs> into why he's upset that the green Eminem isn't hot anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was great because. Because when you ask the audience, did the did Jess Feeney, the Eminem candy win? And you heard a lot of f- female enthusiasm. Yes. And then because I was, you know, I was in character right, as yes. Eminem. So I was being very misogynist. Right. You know, yeah. which is very different than how I am normally. Mm. But it was a fun time. And hey, if yeah. people want to go to Comedy Fight Club or watch it on the Internet, how do they do so? So YouTube.com slash Comedy Fight Club. We uh, the new episodes stream every Thursday night. And we've got a whole bunch of the fights from going back years now that are all on the YouTube channel. You can mm. scroll through and watch those and Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Fight NYC. Um, if you're in New York City, every Sunday night, 9 p.m. at Room 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Definitely uh, would encourage people to go uh, to Comedy Fight Club or watch it on the internet, even if I'm not on the show. Mm. That's how much I like the show. Yes. And Matt, I, I hate to say it, but our time has concluded. So do you have um, plugs for yourself or anything um, else? Well, at Real Matt Marin on Twitter and Instagram and uh, the Buff Boys podcast. That's mm-hmm. also at Buff Boys podcast. I've heard good things. You and this guy, Joe. Me and Joe got Gorman. this good chemistry. Yeah, he's, he's like the real muscle of the podcast. Podcast. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like uh, the real like, you know, we talked about working out a little bit here, mm-hmm. but if you want like real workout advice that you can like apply to your life, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Gorman's the guy for that. 100%, so listen dude. to the Buff Boys podcast. Hell yeah, the Buff Boys podcast, Comedy Fight Club, Matt Marin, one of my best friends and a hilarious man. Thank you for joining us. And remember, folks, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. <laughs> I'm just playing Night Owls. You I know fucking, I love you. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.